0: This is Radio RSA, the voice of South Africa. mind me calling you uncle. After all, I know it's only by
1: marriage. Uncle, oh I... dear, uncle, oh dear. They all call me uncle. Your father's full brother, Elsie, Norma, Matilda, Hedner, and all the sisters all called me uncle. I'll take you back, pick up your feet with a fair walk. In the house is set well back. I felt every brick of her with my own hands. And I completed the whole building and the barn without another man's hands to help me inside of three years.
0: Alexander Tabard's my name. I was 27 when I went to stay with my Uncle Foyman in the Shetland Isles. He was a recluse, a one-time minister of the Old Kirk. A man who had become disillusioned with his God for some reason. A man who'd had three wives and never an heir to his name. My first impressions when the launch had dumped me on that desolate shore, full of seagull cryings, bladderweed, shells, and my father's half-brother as big as a barn are difficult to recall after the passage of years, but I do know that for some strange reason I couldn't fathom, I felt a kind of awe that was not far removed from fear. I turned and watched the launch, but she was already a quarter of a mile out towards the mainland again. I shook Uncle Foyman's great hand, and so began the most terrifying weeks of my life.
1: In our series,
0: Beyond Midnight, we present The Tangled Way. Written and produced by Michael McCain.
1: know what's it. Good loser. Be a good loser. You must be a good loser. Oh, but I, I, I think I
0: am a good loser, Uncle. I'm sure you are.
1: You'll I... lose more and you'll win with me. I play hard. I play to win. And I rarely do aught else but win. It's late. I think it's to bed for the both of us. <coughs>
0: uh, I hope you don't think me a bad sport, Uncle. I, I was just expressing, well, you know... It matters not at all
1: to me who wins. Oh, it should. What possible pleasure can I get from a card-playing companion if he cares nothing about the outcome of the game? Well, like And I'll show you to your room. Take that candle.
0: I said no more. I bade him goodnight and went to the room he said I was to have. It was a large bay-windowed room overlooking the Vaux. That's Norse, meaning inlet of the sea. I puzzled on my uncle's strange attitude, manner, for only a little while that night, and then I was sound asleep. There was a kind of strain about the manner, a darkness under the eyes, a nervousness, a kind of self-assertiveness, striving to be dominant, I don't know. I couldn't explain it then, and I can't explain the way in which it first struck me, even now. And the business about the cards? I'm as good a loser as the next man. The next morning was wild and beautiful. There was a thick mist early which cleared as if by magic before our eyes as we breakfasted on the rough cliff stone terrace my uncle had made, so he told me a dozen times during the meal with his own hands.
1: Every stone, till he bled, these hands. How often do you get supplies from the mainland? Mm? Oh, not often. We're low now, though. If I could have contacted you and I'd have asked you to bring me a few things. Oh, what a shame.
0: I could have easily. Yes.
1: Ah, no matter. The first calm day, I'll take the boat, perhaps. You know, are you an oarsman? I used to row number four with the university. I still say dear you, I mean with oars like that. And out there in the sea with currents and the wind. I'm not talking about down the River Thames on an English summer afternoon, cheered on by young ladies with their umbrellas and lace on their knickers. Ah. <coughs> <coughs> Well, oh, nice there's things to do. Uh, Uncle, if you'll give me a list of
0: all we need, I'll take the boat and I'll go to the mainland today.
1: You will, will you? Uh-huh. Hey, fair enough. If you'll come with me now, Alex, and if the sight of the water out there does not frighten you... Hey, if you want, I'll row your boat to first down back. In <laughs> hey, the village over there, I'll do for now.
0: Stupid, I suppose. After all, I was twenty-seven. There I was, taking on dares like a child. I rode across to the village, though. It wasn't all that difficult. I knew by the feeling of both of my horns that I'd done it, mine. A person had to watch where the coward was pulling him, had to keep his eyes on the white village kirk, otherwise a spot of negligence could have taken him out into the ocean. Anyway, I made it. I was looking forward to a pint of mild and bitter after making up a couple of boxes and two sacks of provisions for the island home of Uncle Foynham. I liked old Murdoch, the village's only storekeeper.
2: He's the first he's ever had Staying with him, I mean, since the last wife, of course. I'd heard he'd married.
0: Uh, once or twice, I believe, didn't he?
2: Once or twice? <laughs> Thrice. And each of them ending up on their deathbeds within the walls of that place. Ah, the wee ones being stillborn as their mothers gasp their last. And there are those that say a dead thing, too. For who knows what kind of parents it would have been if they'd left. You don't need flour this time. Um, each one in childbirth
0: tragic. Explains a lot. A lot? What What does that explain? He, he's gruff. He, he, he's a recuse. He's very easily
2: put out to a, a proud man. A bit frightening. A bitch? Mr. Alexander... If you'll take any advice of an old man who knows a thing or two more than you about these parts, you'll pack your bags and get out of there while you still have dark airs in your head and your sanity beside. Oh, there's going to be bad weather.
0: I've got to get across to the island, too. I'd best be going, Mr. Miller. I think you're attaching mystery to a man who's had a lot of sad
2: things happen to him. Oh, he can't think... he can help his white liver. But what he can help is... White? What? A born yet, no doubt. But it's put the curse on him. White liver? You mean he's a coward? What Ah, do you know nothing in London, man? White liver doesn't mean he's a coward. It merely means, sir, no woman can ever bear him a normal breathing child without losing her life as well as being delivered of a stillborn bairn. But that's no all, sir. With this knowledge in his heart He's no satisfied just to keep himself to himself Across there on the island No, he'll do know that He'll try again Charm some other poor wee, girlie And her, Because that's all that it can be called It's murder As sure as Crippen was guilty of murder Oh, uh, now you don't need to be going For the wind and weather can whip yon pond Into something more than terrible if it has a mind Tell me though are you no afraid of the devil? <laughs> Af- afraid of... The devil. Because if you are, you'd best bear in mind that the devil happens to be Feynman's best friend. Ah, there's a side of bacon you ordered here, my clan, uh, and so's the wire for your poets, uh, and, and so's the secret.
0: I pondered over what the old man Murdoch had spoken of and then dismissed it from my mind. People like Murdoch are suspicious and entertain strange notions about anybody who lives alone and doesn't wish to be gregarious. I'd never heard that about being white-livered before that. I didn't think it wise to speak to Uncle Foynan about it, of course. He lived in just one wing of the house on the cliffs, the East Wing. For some reason, I was reluctant to ask permission to see over the rest of the place, and as he never offered, I was content. After a week, though, I began to feel a bit restless. One of the reasons for my visit to Foynan was to put in a good, hard stint of studying, for I was at that time already after my professorship, and it was, I knew, going to be a long, hard road. I hadn't opened a book there, up until the night I decided to have a wander around Foynan's big house at the end of the Vow. He had gone to bed early, around eight o'clock, saying he had a bit of a headache. I read until nearly midnight, and then the lamps seemed dimmer, so I changed to the softer, gentler light of candles. I was reading some novel or the other, anything rather than the textbooks I'd carried from London. I couldn't get on with candlelight at all, so I packed my things together, pipe and tobacco, book and so on, and climbed the stairs for bed. I wouldn't have thought of exploring if I hadn't missed my way on the second landing. I've been this way before. I've seen the painting up there. Hmm. Charming thing to have about the house, I must say. Something out of one of Bruegel's nightmares, I'd say. Why was that painter so obsessed with the torments of the damned? Huh? The place was like a warren. It was singing or chanting, or whatever it was. I tried to follow the sound. I must have walked a quarter of a mile, but at no single moment did the sound ever seem to be any closer. Several times my candles fluttered out. I relighted it on each occasion, but on noticing that I had only half a dozen matches left and having a strange reluctance to be left alone without light in that place, I started to find my way back. I hardly noticed the chanting had ceased. So anxious was I to get back to the friendliness of my room, or at least the warmth of the big dining room. The air in the passageway seemed colder, as if I was close to the sea. I held my arm aloft, the candle high. I was about to go on again. By now I was a little alarmed when I stopped, frozen by what I saw on the wall above me. At intervals of twelve inches or so on down the passage were iron crucifixes, Each one was upside down. Why should such a thing frighten me? I could never have explained, not then. All I knew was the sight of all those crosses with the iron figures upon them, all hanging the wrong way up, constituted the greatest and most terrible abomination I had ever known.
1: Is your bed no a comfortable
0: one, Alex? Hmm? Yes, it's perfect.
1: You must not read so late in the night it's bad for you. You look to me as if you could do well your month for slumber.
0: And he looked long at me. His eyes narrowed. And then he looked away as if the matter were of no consequence. He felt it, of course. There was something in the air between us. Something more than fear. Something I could put no words to. I would have liked to have travelled home. Thoughts of Kent and the brightly lit civilised theatres of London drew me, but something else said I must stay. And stay I did. For four days we had rain and mist. And then the weather cleared and the Shetlands were blessed by a god of the sea, and sunlight poured down upon us. On the second perfect day, she came.
1: And this is my name. He's a scholar like yourself, though you must leave him be. He's a whole heap of things to learn up for the university. How do you do sir? <laughs> <laughs> her name is Alex Gweny. An artist come to paint the rocks and seabirds of my island. And perhaps, who knows, you'll achieve fame with what you paint.
0: And he put a great arm around her thin shoulders and led her off up the stone steps to the terrace. At dinner that night, I learned something of her history.
2: He couldn't have for the life of them see what I wanted to waste four years at university for. But I talked him into allowing me time to do a history degree and then going on for art. <laughs> and it's the art of the sea I'm wanting to do, gentlemen. Oh, for I love the sea in all its moods.
0: And Uncle Foylan was watching her, intently, closely. And she seemed fascinated by him, too. She was tiny and pretty, and there seemed to be little strength in her. She reminded me of a delicate smiling buttercup that might last no longer than a day in a country
1: hedgerow. Well, you'll want to paint the great rock. Oh, you'll have to paint that. You know, it said before... It did
2: occur
0: to me that I might have felt what I did then because of wounded vanity. That a young woman coming suddenly and by accident upon the island should have eyes for my uncle. A man old enough to... Old enough to be... What? Then once. I know what I felt was nothing akin to jealousy. It was fear. Great fear.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tonight you must join Alex and myself at a wee game of cards, and then tomorrow I shall show you the best places to paint. We'll take something to eat along with us and make a day of it. Alex must do some studying. Is uh, that not right, Professor? (laughs) Alexander Talbot, huh? You'll get lost, boy. As well as frozen. Go back to bed. What possessed you to wonder at this time of night? Uh, I can't see. You weren't thinking that perhaps you might find a better chance of slumber if you changed beds a while.
0: What are you talking about?
1: I was wondering if your midnight walk might not have ended at the door down there of a wee guest. Oh, she's pretty, Alex. And I've seen you look at her. I think it would best leave my house tomorrow morning, Alexander Cullen. I was never brought up to take advantage of women... And you'll in the way not be welcome back again. As myself, as guests. Tomorrow I leave, Uncle Foynan. You need have no fear of that.
0: Fine. That's settled. Is this? something wrong with you, Uncle Foylan, that you have to have a a passageway in the house you built with
1: your own hands full of crucifixes all upside down? You're a mad boy, as well as dangerous. Get back to your room. You'll be gone as soon after dawn as you can.
0: The next morning I packed. I took the boat from the undercliff dock and rowed out into the vault. I felt watched, and consequently I pulled strongly until I was under the eagle rock, which, jutting out from the main cliff mass, hid the house from my sight, and therefore the boat from my uncle. Once under the rock, I turned the boat, and praying my uncle did not cross the house to observe me from the western side, I pulled as if my life depended upon it for the pebble cove of the island's southern tip. This, against a perverse tide, took me all of an hour, and I was exhausted by the time the prow of the little craft beached.
2: Charm some other poor wee girlie. Charm some other poor wee girlie. You would best bear in mind that the devil happens to be Foynan's best friend.
0: You see, it had come to me during the early hours of that morning what the chanting had been before I saw the crucifixes. The voice that chanted belonged to Foynan. And the words, they were unclear then, but they came back to me in awful startling clarity. What he was saying was the Lord's Prayer, backwards. I had made a plan during my solitary voyage to the curve to wait until nightfall for my return to Foynan's house. Consequently, I slept under the cliff, and when I awoke, stars scattered the sky above the aisles, and I was much refreshed. The journey to the house was a long one. I was two hours and more traversing the rocky fell, the rock path Foynan had carved himself out of the cliff face. I reached the house, and it was black night, and a wind had awoken. There was not a light shining in Foynan's house that I could see. I gained access to the house by a lower window. Finding my way to a second landing, I might have spent a day before discovering the passage that led down deep under the house. I might have, if it hadn't been for... followed to where Foynan's voice seemed to come I found a door a door of heavy wood there was no handle but it gave to slight pressure I felt my way around the door and looked down upon a scene from out of a medieval painter's nightmare from the door iron stairs dropped some twelve feet or so into a completely round room The place was a natural cave over which Foynan's house had been constructed. The walls were sheer rock. Torches were burning at intervals around the chamber. Exactly in the center, my uncle stood at a stone altar. He was wearing vestments like a priest might wear, only they were black.
1: My lovely bride, come
0: forth. But then I saw Gwenny, and it was obvious to anyone that she wasn't being held at Foynan's house against her will. It came to me the horror of it that somehow this man had willed this girl to come to the island. And in conjunction with some dark force away from my understanding, he had succeeded in bringing her here. She came now from another entrance and she was dressed in a bridal gown of black silk.
2: Fire!
0: He turned. The girl, Gwenny, turned. A look passed between them. I could not help myself. I ran down towards them. An unreasonable hate-filled...
1: I've no idea what I thought I would do. I have a brief memory of poignant towering over me, an arm came down holding something bright, and the whole world exploded!
2: Or by the waves and you'll drown, Mister Tapper, If you're thinking, of what in the name of all that? What have you done to yourself, man? You, you've had a fall, mm. M- Mackison, William, will you give me a hand here, Mister Laddie? We have bad cat head. William, we can no hurry yourself. He's bad. William, how do you feel, Laddie? <laughs> See you. I... What's happened to me? Not a bad bang, laddie. You must have tumbled down onto the stand as you were waiting for the launch there. Launch? Aye. I've sent a man over to find him. He'll be coming over, I'm sure. No. No, I, I don't want... I... You'd
0: better get the police, Mr. Murdoch. Yes. No. No. Uh, there's a lot the police would be interested in. you. Uh, w- what are you... Uh, no, no, no. Don't, please. I, I, I'm okay. You've no need to... No. You'll
1: better now, boy. Oh, my, but you like your father. I saw you when you were a baby, and I've hoped for a long time to see you again. And now, hey, it's a blasted shame. The very day you were to come across to the island, you have to have this fall. Ah, but she looked peaky when we first called to see you. Not not so, Granny.
2: Aye, but she's looking better now. It was her.
0: Except she looked
2: older. About
0: five years. No more.
2: Ten.
1: We must be away now, boy. We'll come at the end of the week, and you'll come and stay with us, hmm?
2: Oh, we have to go now, Alexander. have a wee bearing to care for. Bye-bye, Alexander.
1: Bye-bye, Alex.
0: Well, what do you think? I know I went across and lived with Uncle Foynan on that island. I know Murdoch spoke to me when I rode across for provisions, and he said what I've told you about the devil being Foynan's best friend. I was on the island when that girl, Gwenny, arrived for the first time. I walked through the corridor where the crucifixes hung upside down. I saw and heard my uncle celebrating a black mass, giving praise to the devil, his master. All this is true. I remember nothing beyond the fact that Murdoch found me on the shore, my head badly damaged. I have the scar to this day. In the nursing home, my uncle visited me and greeted me as if for the first time ever. According to all I, I'd never even been on the island, but was waiting to cross in the launch on the day of my arrival when I had the fall. Yet the girl, Gwenny, she was his wife. And they had a child. Who is mad? Who dreamed? I didn't wake for the end of the week. I didn't see my uncle again. I returned to London. I never went to the Shetlands again. Who could explain what happened to me? Uncle Foyman wrote to my people and suggested that I ought to know better and that I'd insulted him, and that it was nothing to do with him, that I'd fallen and injured myself. That is all. He was no longer childless. He's still alive. So is she. One day I shall have to meet my... cousin, I suppose. Did I go back in time... Did the present, as it was then, become inextricably muddled somehow with what had been? If I had back again every hour of my life I have pondered these questions, I would have, perhaps, an extra month at the end of my life.